Welcome to another episode of the Keep It or Change Cars podcast series. One familiar face in studio today and one new face. Guest first, we'll be back to you in a second, Adam. Jacques Belkhamert from Sitton Cars. Welcome, lovely to have you here. For our audience, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi guys, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. I was excited, stressed, but excited as well. Um, Nothing to be stressed about. He's very easy going. No, I'm definitely. Going. No, no. no, no. <laughs> yeah, 10 years in the motor trade with Sitton Cars. Yeah. Buying, selling, finance, everything. So, jack of all trades. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be so personal as to ask you your age. My age, I'm 27. 27. Adam, 36 years in the trade, so you can teach us a thing or two. My kids are older than him. <laughs> Same we, age. We must, <laughs> we must say that it's, it's it's not a Citroen cause, hey? It's a Citroen. 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 Where does the Citroen come from? It's, it's, it's a Greek surname. It's a Greek surname. Yeah. Sitton. Okay. C I. Double T O N. That's it. That's, okay. so I wanted to chat you a little bit about Sutton Cars, superb brand. The owner, Albi Sutton, an incredibly approachable guy, takes service to the nth degree. What is it like working for such an incredible brand? Oh, where can I start? It, it's, it's like a family, to be honest. That's we, the impression I we, get. The amount of sales guys we have that come and go always, I mean, sales guys, they come and go always. They always come back. Feels really? like family. From big, from big corporate companies, they come back to us because we feel like a family. It's just a personal way of doing business with our clients as well. Yeah, Mike, he's not exactly going to sit here and say, yeah, it's a real cuck job. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand it. My boss is horrible. The cars, we sell are rubbish and everything. Lovely company to LB and team. Carry on. Thank and now you. we're going to need your advice. Yes, let's go. First question today comes from Marcus. He's from Pretoria, mm -hmm. your part of the world. He's just turned 45. He's got a budget of around 850,000 Rand or 20,000 Rand per month. He does say he's not fixed on that, wants to know best bang for his buck, new or second hand, and if it's second hand, low mileage, under 30,000 Ks. Starting with the guest. Okay, I would say, there's a lot of things that people say about Toyota regarding theft and things like that, but I would say the Toyota Hilux, definitely. With the mileage, the value you get, if he wants a Bucky, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he wants a Bucky. he's open to an SUV, open to a sedan, yes. open to a Bucky. Of course. And then when he says a Bucky, I don't think he's meaning a single cab or king cab. No, never, never. Yeah. Maybe double cab, top of the range. Now, Legend, I, yeah. Now, it's interesting, and not to disagree with you, but I'm on record on every forum, I detest double cabs. If you ask me for advice in any price category, I'm not saying it's a bad choice. Yes. I'm just saying me personally, double cab would come fourth out of three options. I'm with you. I'm not a bucket guy either. Yeah. What but is it for you about double cabs that you don't like? Um, one Everything. The, one, the price, they're overrated. Mm -hmm. They're bloody expensive for what they are, but we spend the money on them. They're cool. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, everybody wants a bucket. They're useful. But whenever I drive a bucket, I find them oh, bouncy on the road. I comfortable where if i want to put something in the back i i'm fine something to steal it off the back but i'm that i don't drive buckies yeah. but m millions of my buddies i shouldn't say millions my buddy drives <laughs> your, a your top a 500 friends yeah, all drive all drive. <laughs> but it's a great choice if you've got 800k and you want to buy a bucky i mean that mm. hilux is, is super and you can get it new as well yeah. absolutely mm -hmm. super. And, it's, and it's interesting you say that because for that kind of budget you can go and buy a really lot of good new cars and you can buy, you know, Mercedes-Benz, you can buy BMW, you could buy Mark's favorite, the Volvo, and uh, <laughs> lots of, <laughs> big Audi fan, Mark. So there's a lot of cars that you can you can buy in that sort of segment, no, but you've gone for the Bucky. I'm going with you on a Toyota, but I'm going with a Prado. Not the Fortuner, I like the Fortuner, but I think the Prado 2.8 
GL, the new, the VX, right? Not the yeah, GL. Yeah, VX, yeah. The VX. What will one with 40,000 Ks 2020, 2021 come in at? 850, you'll yeah, get it? Yeah, definitely, yeah. You're in line, definitely with the price range. 100%. And that is a superb car. Yes. You're always going to have the perceived theft risk of a Toyota, but you'd have to believe that a Prado will be less of a risk than a Fortuna or a Hilux. Anything else you'd throw in there, Adam? You spoke about Volvo. You've got to go Volvo in there. Look, if you want something like safety, I mean, if you if you look at something like a Volvo XC60, mm. very underrated car, superb car to drive, it's modern and it's superbly safe. There's no risk in terms of theft, things along those lines. Mm. The other option that I had for him was the Jaguar F-Type, not F-Type, which is the... XF. Uh, X, uh, the uh, F-Pace. F-Pace, SUV. Yeah. SUV. What do you think of that car? It needs to be in plan, obviously. Of course. It's not It's not the most reliable vehicle. Let's not be... But isn't that with every every sort of expensive <laughs> car you want to buy it on plan? Uh, no, 100%. It's very good looking. It's, it's okay, in maintenance plan, obviously, yes. But mm. then I'd rather go for the E-Pace. You can save a bit more money. It looks the same, more or less. You get the same drive. And a beautiful dimension. And that beautiful. E-Pace is incredible. I can't even the tell the difference the two. I hey. think what they did was they took an F-Pace, put it in the microwave and shrunk it. <laughs> could be. That's yeah, literally be. what they did. How important for you would it be to say, got to buy a car that's got a maintenance plan? To me, it's critical. 100% it's critical. These days where, where all these dealerships that sell the like the secondary warranties to the clients and things, obviously... Makes business the more difficult. Save that. That's our next yeah. question. Okay. <laughs> As it li literally, yeah. that is our next question. Want SA's leading insurance? Visit changecars.co.za and click on the discovery logo. Now, for me, I think this is the best question, and I'm going to read it verbatim. Sarah Lynn is a mother of three and says she has the best husband in town and wants us to share that with the world. Shout out to Sarah Lynn's husband. Is, is that my wife? She's <laughs> writing in again? <laughs> what her husband doesn't have, though, is a motoring knowledge. Call a spade a spade. Maybe he's a chef or into gardening, etc. In this regard, she would value our opinion on aftermarket guarantees and service plans. That's why I say save it for the second question. Are they worth it or just another product that is not the pay, worth the paper they've written on? And I have very strong opinions on this. You're in the trade. You're dealing with this every day. There's always a balance. I'm a dealer. I need to protect the customer. I also need to protect our dealership. 100%. I want to give you peace of mind. Mm -hmm. But peace of mind is, I'll use the word perception. What is your feeling on aftermarket warranties? My feeling on is, you guys said it earlier, like if you buy an Audi, for example, for BMW, for example, you can you can extend the warranty for not too, not too much money. Paying 13000 for an aftermarket warranty covering turbo, not, not electrical, also not being tear, gearbox, engine, it just doesn't pay. To me, that it just doesn't pay. You'll have to pay about 30000 for a top-up maintenance plan mm. or top-up warranty on a pre-owned vehicle to be fully covered yeah. and to have peace of mind. And then obviously service it with RMI always. I think the problem with most of these aftermarket warranties is that um, the dealer is selling that warranty so that when you have a problem, you go back to the dealer and say to the dealer, uh, can you they fix it for me? Warranty. Oh, no, go claim on your warranty. Mm. But it shouldn't happen that way because, Never. as you know, the dealer must give a six-month warranty on of that course. vehicle. Of and uh, they must. you mustn't claim on that warranty. You must. The dealer must repair it for you. The warranty that you purchase, in my opinion, exactly what you're saying, mm -hmm. should kick in after the warranty. The, the six uh, months. The six months warranty. Correct. Correct. But now getting back to the value of it. Toyota. You can buy any Toyota that's five years or newer. You can extend that warranty for a minimum of two years up to eight years. What kilos will they give you? Do you know? 
Unlimited. Unlimited kilos. Oh, well, that's just a brand the brand standard. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But that for me is a peace of mind. Mr. Buyer, you come in, you're buying a 2020 Toyota. It can be a Yaris, it can be a Corolla, it can be a Fortune or Hilux. Take that warranty. The beautiful thing is you won't even use it. On a Toyota, you're unlikely to use it. Yeah. But how's that peace of mind? Kia, Hyundai, also exceptional warranties. warranties. But now you, you were mentioning earlier that you sell a lot of your cars in warranty. Yes, 100%. Now certain cars, obviously that's the way to go because you don't want to buy a car without a warranty and it's peace of mind for you to sell. So for Sarah Lynn, one of the keys is make sure you buy from a top reputable garage. And when you buy a car that hasn't got a warranty, buy a reputable warranty. Something like the AA warranty. Are you working with the AA? Is there any company you'd care to mention on air? Or would you prefer not to mention names? We, oh, we work with Maishwa. Yeah? We work with Motivantage. Yeah. Very good warranties. But like I said, it's always the top of the, the top of cover. Always yeah. take the most expensive one. To no, keep yourself covered. You, you know, it's that old story, you know, you pay your money and you get what you get. Isn't exactly. It? The one thing, I mean, I have a workshop and I get a lot of people coming to me with, uh, I get a phone call, I got recommended to you by so-and-so because uh, you fix cars that are under the warranty. Yes, but uh, bring but it in. But you pay up front. No, but the biggest problem is that people don't understand because the salesman go along and say, look, here's this car, I'll sell you, I'll sell you this car and I'll sell you a warranty with it. It's guaranteed. Everything's covered for the next two years. And uh, next two years or 50,000 K. So people think, oh, cool, everything's covered. Then when things break, it's like, hang on a sec. No, that's a normal fair wear and, art fair wear and tear item. It's not covered. Exactly. It's not lubricated by oil. It's not covered. Uh, this is, well, when did you last have the car service? Mm -hmm. Because if you read the small print, it says, have the car service within a month of uh, purchasing the vehicle. If you don't do that and it's not serviced in the RMI. No, my buddy serviced it for me at the home in his garage. So you've spent, let's say, 15,000 Rand on a warranty, and it's absolutely voided the first time that your mate services at home. You exactly. need to go to an approved Correct. workshop. You've got to have it serviced when the manufacturer recommends it. But it's voided it. with justification. I honestly do believe that. You can't say, but he's qualified and he knows this and he's got 22 years. You don't service it at an RMI center or an agent. Or the agent, 100%. Do you agree that that warranty should be voided? Um, well, it's RTFM, isn't it? Read the flight manual. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you've got to understand exactly. And this is the problem is that the salesmen don't explain these things to them. Look, this is what's covered because all these warranties have a little sheet there. It says engine covered. You're on plan A. So that's unlimited mileage. And you want to be on plan B. On plan B. Yeah. So you're on plan C actually because you, you're buying a you know, a 15-year-old yeah. car. It only covers 20,000 Rand on the engine, exactly. but that's catastrophic failure. It's cool. not like, well, my car's using oil. There's nothing wrong with it. It's using oil. Put oil in it. We don't cover that. Oh, the gearbox is, is uh, are the clutches covered? Oh, my clutch is slipping. No, that's not covered because that's normal wear and tear. If the clutch breaks, Different then we'll, we'll, we'll cover it. And, you know, it's so frustrating for us workshops because you, you phone these places and say, okay, I want to make a claim. The guy's wheel bearings are gone. Okay, can you please send us a report on what's wrong with the wheel bearings? The wheel bearings have failed. They're noisy and they need replacement. Why did they fail? I don't know. What am I, psychic? <laughs> exactly. You know, I must tell you how they failed. I have no clue why they failed. They have broken, they've worn out. Uh, maybe the guy had a pothole. Oh, you mean so he had an accident? So he must came from his insurance. So a lot of the times these warranties are the garbage. The answer is no. What is your question is my is my saying with warranty companies. Literally, yeah. the answer is no. What is your mm. question? But talking about uh, something slightly different, we get regular people writing in asking. They want to buy a service plan or a maintenance plan. They can buy a service plan for 250 Rand a month. Do I think it's worth it? It's a very obvious answer. No, no, no. 
A car is going to cost you roughly seven. Let's take a look at a Toyota Corolla, eight thousand rand a year to service if you do one service. Is that fair to say, Adam? Uh, maybe a bit excessive, but I would say if you're looking at they say the average driver does twenty thousand cars a year. That's two services. Basically, every fifteen is sort of average oh, yeah? cost. Correct. So basically, you servicing your car once every say eight to nine months. Roughly. Yeah. So, What's so it going to cost you to service that car? It'll range from anything from say two to three and a half to four thousand rand at a at a reasonable, not the cheap house place that's putting sure. garbage. So in let's your car. say four thousand rand. One and a half services is six thousand rand. Yeah. If your service plan or maintenance plan was less than five hundred rand a month, that yeah. company's not even breaking even. Wasting, wasting time. Hundred percent. So for hundred and fifty rand a month, eighteen hundred rand a year. What kind of service plan are you going to get? Garbage. Absolutely. Absolute Don't waste your money. Consensus. Don't do it. Looking to buy a new or used car? Visit changecars.co.za. Our next question is from Ernest, who's based in Port Elizabeth, and he said he's confused. That's why he wrote it. He said, I'm confused. He's got three parts to his question. He wants to know modern cars, do they still rust? So he's based in Port Elizabeth. And again, I don't think it's a simple yes or no answer. Your opinion, modern cars, do they still rust? My opinion, yes. 100%. They still do. Um, I also think it depends on how you detail the vehicle at the coast. Obviously, it has that, I don't know what you call it in salty. English. Yeah, that it's salty. It's just in the air. Corrosion. It's just, yeah. yeah, corrosion. That's yeah. on the vehicle. You, you have to maintain the corrosion. You get you get people that does treatments on chassis, on the bodywork to prevent the corrosion as well. So, yeah, no, I don't think so. Yourself, Adam? Look, I think there's a massive improvement. If we look at cars like in the 80s, Lots of cars, they just rusted A to car pieces. was guaranteed to rust. There was yeah. nothing you could do. You could prep it. You could clean it. It was guaranteed to rust. It was you know just what's, what's so great living in Johannesburg in, in, in the high felt here is mm. that we do not have rust. If people are watching this on YouTube Correct. and you're in Canada or whatever, yeah. our cars don't rust. Stuff you. <laughs> we, don't, we get nothing. Zero. You stone chips all over the bonnets. They don't even rust. When you open the engine, they still look nice and clean. The aluminium hasn't oxidized. It's a phenomenal. But go down to the coasts and they, they get rotten. So for Ernest from our side, there's no question in the wrong environment. And the cars are going to rust in three months or six months or nine months. It's a slow But cancer, over time, yes. you take a car that spent three years in Durban, Port Elizabeth, East London, Cape Town, versus the same car in Johannesburg, Pretoria, Nelspade, or Bloom. Guarantee you there'll be a difference. And funny enough, the difference is not where you always see it. It's underneath. It's yeah. on the suspension. It's on the wheel bolts. On the chassis. But everything. how do you, if you live in these parts of the world, how do you circumvent that? And it's very easy. With the right care, you will stop that car rusting. 100%. And what is 100%. the right care for you? So, look, obviously, I mean, I don't deal in rust treatment. Because I live in the high felt, I don't have to worry. It's cool. We, don't have, at, we don't have the scenic beauty yeah. yet, but we don't have the challenges. <laughs> down, at the, down at the coast, obviously, there's lots of companies. You remember, it was a company I remember years ago called Waxol. And yes, they used yes. to put wax inside the chassis and stuff like that to stop it um, rusting. You've, you've got to go and you've got to do preventative measures. Like you mentioned quite correctly, you've got to do those prevent, me, preventative measures. You've got to detail the cars properly. You know, you've got to wash. If you're going down to the sea uh, at the coast and you're getting a lot of seawater and everything onto your vehicle, when you go home, wash it with fresh water, water get it off. Exactly. I'll tell you an interesting story. A friend of mine, uh, his father lives down in Tanzini, down on the, down on the coast, and he had a Hilux Bucky. And um, he moved from his farm and he went to live inland and he's, my friend bought his dad's Hilux from him. Brings it to me for a service. The car was only about seven, eight years old. Certain parts, you probably couldn't even open the bolts. The chassis was so badly rusted yeah. that I thought when it was on our lift, it was going to break in half. Mm -hmm. 
It is unbelievably, it was fraught, is the only word you could use. Well, I'm scared to lift it up on the left, actually. Yeah, it was fraught, rotten, holes everywhere, like you can't believe. So a lot of cars still very, very bad if you don't look after them. He was actually very disappointed because the vehicle had been fully serviced at Toyota. Nobody said, oh, sir, your car's rotting. That car need to needs fix it. to be steam clean. When I say steam clean, not physically steam clean, just a hose yeah. underneath every single crevice. Yeah, a crevice is a recipe for rust. But it's interesting you say, do cars rust? Yes, they do. And it's great though that most manufacturers do take uh, preventative measures. If you go to the, the factories here and you see the processes involved in protecting the, the bodies of vehicles nowadays, where they actually dip the car, it actually gets turned completely Correct. upside down and it goes through and uh, there's proper proper um, preparation of it so it shouldn't rust like it used to. But it okay. still does. And of course. It, in saying that, you still got to take care. And quite rightly, what you say, wash the vehicles if you're going as to. As often as you can, literally once a week. So now... I don't take it that you're a biased individual, but the second part of this question was designed for you. Mm. He wants to know, when you're selling your car, buying a new car, is it better to sell it the proverbial out of hand, which refers to a private sale, or to trade it in? For me, yeah, again, I'll answer after you. I've got a very, very clear-cut answer, not even a debate. I, mean, I know you're biased. Obviously, you're in the trade. What do you say? To me, I think if you have like a classic car or like a real golden oldie vehicle like let's say Chan Bucky or something like that I would say sell it out of hand clever. someone will buy it clever in modern day age I would say no reputable dealership you have to sell to a reputable dealer you have to have to have to there's so many scams yeah. there's so many businesses buying vehicles and yeah. just like disappearing there's people actually restore it in the week so it's a wholesaler he was in Pretoria at a dealership and he went down to the coast and he started buying vehicles for certain dealerships like like big dealerships like us and yeah. for example or whatever and um what he did was he literally got like duplicate fake natuses to show at, that the car is paid up it's dealer stock under his name but the cost that it's finance on wow. yeah. so blatantly going out mm. yeah. very then, careful. i mean it's an interesting thing because i've also heard of stories where uh, somebody somebody takes their car along and trades it in at a dealer for another car. And if you're going to a dealer, it's not reputable. They say, don't worry, we'll settle your finance for you. Everything. Request the yeah, everything. Get they, then what they do is they don't settle it and they try and sell the car before they have to. Maybe you've got 100 grand outstanding mm. on the car. They, oh, this car will sell quickly. But then it doesn't sell quickly. And before you know it, you know, the bank's phoning off. you and saying, hey, you still owe money. But I sold it. And mm. I sold, sold it. it. Yeah. And then it becomes an absolute nightmare. How do you check if if the vehicle is paid for. So I'm buying a car from Joe Bloggs. He tells me it's all paid for. Don't worry, here are the papers. How do I know as a man in the street that the vehicle is actually paid for? For me, the easiest will be e check. How does one do an e check? Can I do it online? No, so you have to go to the department. To the licensing department, yeah. Through the licensing mm, department. Yes. What about, you know, there used to be companies that you would you could pay a small fee for and they would say to you, okay, the car's had four owners. And... Like the, it used to be called an HPI check. That's HPI right. HPI yeah. check, but it's not that accurate anymore. 100%. It's not updated. It's, it's through TransUnion. Yeah. Yes, correct. So is is there sort of a simple online way to do that? Mm-mm. No, unfortunately not. Not anymore. That's not like America. America can check everything. But now in terms of owner's question, I said straight away, I've got a definitive opinion. Yes. And it's not because it suits me because I'm in the trade. Deal with the right dealer, you're going to get a fair price. How do you know the right dealer, though? <laughs> Certain cars. And, and, and change, I'm with you. Change, I mean, change cars. Where have you been? <laughs> is this is your seventh time on the show. No, it's uh, an average man in the street. How do you find a good dealer? I'll give you a simple example. My car, we're just using round figures, is worth 200,000 rand. If I spend two weeks 
I assure you, I'll get 210,000 rand. 100%. The question I ask is, is it worth it? Dealer A, dealer B, dealer C, all quality dealers offer me around the 200,000 mark. I want the right car from that dealer, 450,000 rand. I go in, I say, here's our car. We agreed on 200,000, I owe you 250. It's on an invoice, swap keys. Remember, the trustee's there. You know done. it's a quality course, dealer. Done. Okay. For the extra 5,000 or 10,000, and there are some good buying uh, facilities in South Africa. For me, I just say it's complicated. But selling the car to a private individual, placing your car on Marketplace, on Gumtree, on Facebook, don't do it. One out of 20 times, you might get lucky. You might get that absolute win. Yeah. But you raised an interesting point, and I love that. If it's an absolute classic, what is a classic worth? How do you determine the value of a classic? It's very easy. What is a classic worth? Sure. Endless. It's what somebody is prepared to pay mm. for it. Okay. Your beautiful Alpha GTV that's worth a million rand today, and a good few of them around. Some guys say, you know what? You're crazy. I wouldn't pay a million rand for it. Another guy will say, when that car comes into the market, I don't care what it is. A million, 1 1.1, 1 1.2, 1.3, I want it. Now, that's why you said you won't get that price from a dealer. No. But it's a rare exception. So, Ernest has still got one more part to his uh, question. He wants to know, in order, how would we rate Toyota, Kia, and Honda? Just one, two, three. Who's, who's, who's paid us the most? What, what, <laughs> what, what was the incentive from the boys? Hey? What, what? For me, Toyota, I would, Kia, I would Honda. go Honda, Toyota, Kia. Honda, Toyota, Toyota Kia. Kia. Interesting. Toyota, Honda, Kia. All good. I have too much to lose by offering you But You're both right. Yeah. You know, the, the, the thing, I, I, maybe I should change it and say Toyota, Honda, Kia, because the range that Toyota's got now exactly. is, is so much better than Honda. I don't know what's sure. happened to Honda in the last five yeah. years. They've sort of, uh, I think they've made a couple of mistakes in terms yeah. of what they bring out here. Um, but if we go back on the history on, on Honda, I'm a big Honda fan. Of course. They make really good cars, but recently they've been so bringing reliable. out stuff that are, are a, bit, they, they, a bit too expensive. Yeah. And some of them have got the wrong engines in them. So for me, it was interesting. I would have expected it to be, how would you rate Renault, Fiat, Alpha, Kia? You know that. You've okay. taken three top brands. <laughs> I mean, that would be easy. Yeah. But Kia, Toyota, and Honda. Honestly, Toyota, literally, 10 out of 10. Mm. I give it 10 yeah. out of 10. Honda, I give it 10 out of 10. And Kia, I give it 10 out of 10. Yeah. So yeah. Mm. I'm not sitting on the fence. I rate them all equal. I'm not, I'm not like these guys who have an opinion <laughs> on everything. Yeah, look, it's, it's, a, it's not an easy one because they're all exceptionally good cars. No, definitely. And if you're a Honda fan and you find a Honda you like, you'll be exceptionally happy with it. And that applies to Kia and Toyota. You can throw in Hyundai because, you know, Hyundai comes out the right door and Kia comes out the left door. It just depends on the styling you prefer. I'm going to be in the dog box after this. My wife drives a Kia. <laughs> a Kia? I ranked it third. <laughs> yeah, no, but Kia's, Kia's is superb, superb. And there she was, so proud of you on your first podcast. Yeah, exactly. And, and you actually talking down on her car. <laughs> Need advice? Visit changecars.co.za and click on the Keep It or Change Cars tab. Not often on the show that you get a question that you know the client has given you a fake name, but she told us that it's a fake name. She said, call me Patricia. She wants to surprise her absolute straight A student daughter who turns 18 in October with a superb car. She knows her budget is limited and I'm actually gonna tell her I don't think her budget is limited. 200,000 Rand. She wants something that a lady would feel proud of. Performance while no means a, a factor. 
it must be decent performance. And then she wants our opinion on manual automatic and petrol or diesel. 200,000 Rand, first car for a young lady. Congratulations on your straight A student. <laughs> she deserves it. What would you go with there? Now it's a Kia You can get a fairly, fairly, fairly new shape. 2020, 2021, 499. Nice car. 100%. Still in agent warranty, everything. Low mileage. Definitely, That, that is a superb looking car. When I think of the Kia Rio, and again, yeah, there's no right or wrong answer, but would you agree that 200,000 is a very nice yes, budget? 100%. Yes, 100%. There's some good stuff around yes, 100%. there. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Yourself, Adam, what are you thinking? The Kia Rio is a great option. I think another good car, very popular car at the moment is the Suzuki Swift. Yes. Very, very nice. Although the Kia is most probably a nicer car to drive than mm -hmm. the Swift because the Swift only coming out in the 1.2 and the Kia you can get in the 1.4, a little bit more from a, maybe the interior is a bit nicer. But obviously the Kia is a lot more expensive, brand new. So your option is you can buy a brand new um, Suzuki Swift or a used Kia Rio. Both, you're not going to go wrong with. Sure. It depends. I mean, it's her first car. If it was my daughter, she must probably get the brand new car. You know what I mean? There's something about yeah. a brand new car. Often when I give advice, I love to give practical advice, i.e. I've been there, I've done it. Two cars recently, my girlfriend, her kids are 20, or they're not kids anymore, her young sons are turning 21 this year. It was a choice of a Ford uh, Fiesta or a Toyota Yaris. Both of them properly blew me away. Yeah. When I say blew me away, blew me away. And not even how much how they look, they look amazing, how they drive. Yeah. What do you think of the Ford Fiesta? That uh, last generation of Ford yeah. Fiesta was excellent. Really, mm. it's, it feels like a big car to drive. That's exactly Lots it. of Vuma. It's got all the technology that you can want in the car in terms of safety. Um, the other car you mentioned was Yaris. Yaris. the Toyota Yaris. The Toyota Yaris is not bad, but it's in, in terms of when you compare it to the Fiesta, it's not comparable, I don't think. Um, in terms of its looks, its drivability, its feel. Although in reliability, the Toyota Yaris will obviously be extremely yeah, good. But the, the Fiesta is, is a superb car. That's interesting. Well, Vuma, better fuel consumption. Yeah. With the one liter turbo motor, everything, yeah. So Matthew and Thomas, which one did they take? I would still stick with my Suzuki Swift because it's a simple <laughs> I don't, car. I don't the Fiesta. Oh, yeah, which, your which one did they take? Uh, Fiesta because of the tech. 100%. The tech and particularly the performance. Mm. One liter, it is, it is stonking. Now, next question that you asked, manual or automatic? For yeah, me, it's not a no-brainer. It has to be manual. I agree, manual. It has to be manual. You are kidding me, right? 100%. It's better for consumption as well. Don't worry about the consumption. Don't worry about the gears. The thing is, kids must learn to drive a manual car from young. Once they've had their first car manual, they've learned how to drive a manual car. Later on in life, if you've got a driver's license that's automatic and you now want to go and rent a car, oh my gosh, I have to only rent an automatic car. Mm. Somebody wants to loan you a car, it's a manual. I don't know how to drive a manual. I can only drive an automatic. One of the beautiful things drive about being the host drive. of a show <laughs> is you get the veto vote. So it's amazing how we said it's absolutely a no-brainer. And you said manual, manual. And I mm -hmm. promise you, for me, I detest manual cars with a passion. Me too. If I, I wouldn't buy a manual car. one thing to the future of the motor industry, you can bring oxygen, hydrogen, ice engines, whatever you want. Uh, just eliminate the manual gearbox. What possible benefit? What? Just tell me one. Possible benefit is ever manual because I haven't seen well, it. You made it a good point. Driving skill, mm. learning how to drive. You, you're 18 years old. You're in a situation. I don't want to say you panicked. God forbid somebody tries to hijack you. You pull off in a manual. You're going to stall it. Hold on a sec. I'm just going to start it. And again, I'm going to try that again. 
I detest a manual. You're sitting in traffic. We have traffic. Mm. No matter where you are, yeah. you have traffic. I'm in my Honda Civic Type R, okay? Mm -hmm. I hate that car. Because it's manual. <laughs> I promise you, because it's because yeah. it's manual. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I'm I'm a I wouldn't buy myself a manual car, but in this application, mm -hmm. I would say uh, let the kids learn to drive a manual car. The next car they have, they can go buy the automatic. That's fine, but get to learn to drive the car. They'll understand how things work as well mechanically. It helps better to understanding how the gears work. And uh, when you when you want to get an automatic car, move on, buy an automatic car. So spend a couple of hours bonding with your kid, teach them how to drive around the park in the manual and buy an auto. Petrol or diesel? Yeah, I would say diesel. I'm a very, very big diesel fan. Like I said, Volvo especially, Volvo diesel, but diesel definitely. You think we're being argumentative. I promise you, I'm auto petrol. You manual diesel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm manual petrol because I would say in a small car, in a small car, you want a petrol engine. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, in a bigger car, you're buying a bucky, you're buying an diesel, SUV. Diesel, no question. You want a diesel because it's got the torque and the power and the fuel efficiency in there. But in a small car, you buy yourself a nice, small petrol vehicle. Because the difference in the fuel consumption on these small engine cars. Negligible. Oh, you take like my favorite little car, the, the Suzuki Swift. You're going to get five and a half liters per hundred if it was petrol. If they, if you go and buy the competitor's diesel, 20, you're going to get five liters. Five and a half liters. Yeah. It's the same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. The problem with the diesel with with the youngsters, uh, you got a young girl now, and she's like, you know what they're like on their cell phones. How's it all? What are we doing? Where are we going tonight? Uh, excuse me, sir. Can you fill up my car, please? And then they're on the phone. Hello, hello, hello. How's it? Put in by the way. And that, how much is it? Two hundred grand. Thank you. Behind they drive off. They break down. Why? Because the petrol tender is not paying attention and he puts petrol in your diesel yeah. car. Adam, I'm super impressed. Your knowledge is superb and your accents are incredible. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was impressive. Okay, now for your accent. <laughs> that was too good, by the way. That was too good, by the way. But what is interesting, we're talking about fuel consumption. I mean, we go back 20 years. Okay, so some people use liters per hundred. I've always used kilometers per liters, just the way I grew up. What was the, and it's actually the same now, but what was the magic figure that you wanted to break in terms of kilometers to a liter? Don't ask the light, he doesn't know. Hey, I'm not even looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> it was 10 liters per hundred. Am I right? I promise you, that's, you said, but that's why I said it's the same. 10 yeah. liters per hundred, 10 kilometers, identical. Yeah. But was that like the magic figure? If you were getting a car that was using 9.6 liters per hundred, oh my word. You won it, the total car of the year. It what, was, you, what is the total economy total, run? Yeah. The total economy run. They used to get run. like eight liters a hundred and that's all. Mm. Oh, that was winning. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy because nowadays you get exceptionally good fuel consumption and that's technology. That is how and technology has improved. I mean, you, you just mentioned that Fiesta one liter. So that pushes out, I think, if I remember correctly, about 110 kilowatts somewhere, around, somewhere in that region. Remember the Cortina three liter? Same. It was about 110 kilowatts then. <laughs> so the Cortina, yeah. the Cortina three liter, depending on which incarnation of it, but like in the original Cortinas, it, yeah, was, under, Cortina. it was under 100 kilowatts, okay, yeah. and around 220 newton meters in its final form, okay. That was the SX, eh? Was the that, SX. That engine. was the SX. The final I mean, form the was a 3.4 liter. 234 newton meters of torque. You take a 1400. Polo, Audi, whatever it is today. I mean, they exceed exceeding that. Yeah. That, that is crazy. Supercharged cars have changed the world. Exactly. So just to confirm for Patricia, what are we going with? What is the final vote that I need to uh, override? Uh, you need to, I would say in this case, uh, Fiesta, one liter turbo with a manual transmission. <laughs> the, 
Han er fantastisk. Yeah. Jeg stemmer så. Jeg stemmer så. Jeg stemmer så. Gentlemen, been lovely having you here. As I said, always Adam, a world of knowledge. Jacques, to you and the team at Sitten Cars. Thank you. Exceptional product, exceptional brand. May you go from strength to strength. Thank you. Appreciate I'll it. Check out your website if I need a new car. Please, please. Is it on Change please, Cars, by the way? Of course, of course. I've got to Change Cars and check out Sitten Cars. Why That's is it on Change Cars, Adam? Tell us. Because only good dealers are on Change Cars. Spot on. <laughs> We've come to the end of another episode of the Keep It or Change Cars podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, please email us podcast at changecars.co.za and our experts that we have in every week will answer it. This show is about you. You got a question? That's what we're here to answer. Visit changecars.co.za, see the quality dealerships we work with, looking for a new car, used car, boat, caravan, you name it, we've got it. For South Africa's best motoring content, catch all things motoring on DSTV Channel 189 and on YouTube. New episodes every week.